Welcome to the Mission Driven Mom podcast. This podcast is for moms just like you who want to learn how to glorify God through finding and embracing true principles, discovering and developing your greatest gifts, and using them to serve your family and community. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Audrey Rinlisbacher, the author of The Mission Driven Life and founder of The Mission Driven Mom. So glad you decided to join me today. If you've not already already subscribed to our podcast, please do so and share it out with friends and family you think would benefit or enjoy the material that we share here. We'd love to see a review and of course, love to have you in the after the show discussions that take place in the Mission Driven Mom Mastermind Facebook group. So head on over there and join us after this podcast for the discussion all week long. I'm going to talk to you today about one of my very favorite books called Christy by Catherine Marshall. There's a whole backstory on Catherine Marshall. She was um, just an incredible woman, helped co-author some really key books, but she also was the wife of a really um, awesome pastor who had a lot of impact. There's a really great movie called A Man Named Peter that was made about her and her husband's life together. Really incredible woman. And this is the story of her grandmother. It's a true story of her grandmother going to the Appalachian Mountains and teaching um, the backwoods people. They were from... The book begins with her going to a meeting where a doctor was talking to an audience about the work that their mission did. They had several missions throughout the Appalachian Mountains, and she lived semi-close to one of them, and he was specifically asking for anyone who could be of help, especially asking for teachers. And she was just about, I think, 19 She had some experience as a teacher, and she just wanted something more. She wanted to venture out into the world and try new things, and she just kind of felt almost like this electric shock when he talked about it, and she just knew immediately that this is what she wanted to do. And she spent like three months convincing her parents that they ought to kind of approve of what she was doing and and help her go to this mission and serve as a teacher. She didn't really understand what she was getting into. She gets dropped off by the train and she's got to walk in several miles in the freezing cold and her kind of fancy clothes. She's kind of from a upper middle class family. And so they had other plans for her. They wanted her to marry well and have a family, which she wound up doing, but she wanted to kind of get out of the culture she'd been raised in and experience new things. So she's there and she sees some pretty... Uh, terrible things pretty early on. These people are just so beyond poor. I can't even tell you, you know, they, they really live in shacks. There's the kind of this clan warring that's been going on with um, revenge shootings now and again on each other's kind of family group. The children really don't go to school. Not many of them read at all. Not many of them ever get out. And they just kind of subsist and survive. They have a lot of traditions that are, can be unhealthy. And there's a couple people there. You find out later that the doctor that's there, Dr. McNeil, was actually 
from this area was one of them and had an opportunity to go become a medical doctor and felt called to come back and do his, um, his medical work among these people and be of service to them. There's also, um, a woman who becomes a mentor to her and her name's Miss Alice. They spend time together and she kind of helps Christy along with her questions and concerns and struggles. So kind of near the beginning of the book, Christy's kind of seen enough and she has come face to face with her own weaknesses and limitations. She's tried teaching the children. There's some older boys who are making it very, very difficult for her. The children smell bad. They're poorly dressed. She feels really badly formed. She just really doesn't feel like she's up to the task. Um, like she's not really prepared and she's not sure she knows what she's doing. I mean, when it comes to just actually teaching school, she's fine. But just dealing with everything that's going on is really a challenge. And, and you know, she's she's like so many of us when we get into something and we don't know what we've gotten ourselves into before we're there. I mean, marriage is one of those things. College can be one of those things. Parenting definitely is one of those things. You can't really appreciate what you've signed up for until you're in the thick of it. And she kind of wants out, you know, it's really tough and she's really struggling and she's not sure she wants to stay. And so she's having kind of this crisis personal crisis about what she's chosen to do. And it's causing a bit of a spiritual crisis for her as well. You know, she's, she's been a Christian. She's gone to church. She's kind of done the thing, but now she's not entirely sure what she really believes. She's not looked really closely at what her faith entails and her relationship with God and who she really is. And so it's now time to face those things and look at them head on and to decide if she's going to stay and tough it out. And, and really so much of, of what she's struggling with, and this is something that we talk a lot about at the Mission Driven Mom, is really lack of purpose. She got excited to go. It seemed like a grand adventure. She was going to be different. She was going to do something new and something nobody else ever did. And of course, it, it was a fulfilling idea to think of, you know, teaching poor children of being of service to them that way. But now she's not sure why she's there. And she really, in, in like, a, like in any worthwhile endeavor in our lives, we're only going to push through and, and really give our best to anything that we do if we, if we take the time to analyze why it is that we're doing it and we become more intentional with what we're doing. And that's what Christy's going through. She's got to figure out why she's there and what she really believes and what she wants to accomplish in this volunteer work that she's signed up for. So she goes to Miss Alice and they have a conversation that ends up being difficult for Christy because one of the things that Miss Alice says to her is that she says, um, God can't use ivory tower followers. They're plaster of Paris. They crumble and fall apart in life's press. So you've got to see life the way it really is before you can do anything about evil. And that's kind of what she's beginning to see is, is kind of the worst in people and how brutal they can be and how ignorant they can be and how, um, unsanitary and, 
you know, superstitious and she doesn't like it. And it's scary and it's a whole new world and she doesn't know what to do about it. And what Miss Alice is telling her is it's time to look at the world straight on and to understand what really goes on. Only when you're really informed, only when you really see the great and you know, the best and the worst, can you start to have some impact? So she's shared some painful stories with her. She's seen some things with her own eyes and she's starting to see that she can't go on this way. And Miss Alice is trying to help her have, have purpose in her work and find her way. And she does something really, really cool. She's talking to her, um, She's ta- uh, Christy is talking to Miss Alice, and, and one of the big questions that she's facing is a question we all face. And if you as a mother haven't really looked this question in the face yet, it's probably time to do it. And your children will have the same question as well. And that is, why does God let evil happen? If there's really a God, why does he let people hurt each other so much? And why does he let them struggle and suffer so much and inflict so much pain and anguish on each other? And, you know, platitude answers won't work, especially in the circumstances that Christy's in. She sees the world for what it really is now, and she doesn't understand why God allows it to happen. And that is actually a question when I was watching debates on the existence of God, there were several atheists that cited this exact question. It continues to be a primary obstacle for people spiritually. And many of them said, I, I refuse to believe in a God that would allow these things to go on because they have had similar experiences and they have seen what really goes on in the world. And they've, they've got to find some real answers to this key question. And so it's really an interesting answer that Miss Alice gives her because Christie says a supreme being with real power and real love wouldn't stand by and watch a little girl um, be taken advantage of and, and watch bad things happen to people. How could he? And then Miss Alice says he would have to if he'd given us men and women a genuine freedom of choice. I think it's like this. The creator made the world a cooperative enterprise. In order for it to be that way, God had to give us the privilege of going his way or of refusing to go his way. And Christy says, but how? How do we go his way? And so then Miss Alice says, well, you know, basically it's all right there in the scriptures, all the principles and natural laws. You've got love your enemies, do good, be merciful, forgive. And then she quotes this verse. Best of all, she says, quote, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, running over shall men give into your bosom. A great promise to claim, she says to Christy. So then Christy says, well, what do you mean by claim? And she goes on to talk about in the Old West when you would stake a claim. You know, there was the whole, you know, runs on land that would happen when they would let people, you know, they would get a ticket. There would actually even sometimes be a starting line and they would run to get a piece of property. And if they staked it, then it was theirs. As long as they cultivate it and stayed there for a number of years, five or seven years or something like that, then it belonged to them. They didn't have to pay anything for it, but they had to claim it. 
And she says, if he didn't make that move, then for him, she says, there was lots of rich land available back then. But in order to get any for himself, each man had to move out and claim what he wanted. If he didn't make that move, then for him, nothing happened. So the first time I read this book, this section had a huge impact on me. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you in a minute what goes on to happen to Christy. But what I, what I want to explain is, is why this had such a big impact on me. The concept of um, ask and you shall receive, that principle, it's repeated so many times by Jesus himself, right? Um, and and uh, it's, it's such an interesting idea that if you ask, you will receive. Now, this is something I talked about in a previous podcast in terms of question asking. Whatever questions you ask, you'll receive answers to. But there's also this idea about whatever you ask for, you'll receive. In fact, even in very secular circles, like um, what's that movie where they have all the famous people talking about the law of attraction, the secret, that's what it's called. And there, of course, there's dozens and dozens of books about this principle of the law of attraction, which of course is an eternal principle. It's how, it's how, you know, we're embryos of, you know, we're, we're children of God. And, um, in that sense, we can work with him. And this is really just the principle of faith that we get those things that we most desire. And so we receive according to what we ask for. And so I'd, I'd already done a lot of thinking about this idea of what does it mean to receive and how would you receive something and, and, and receiving, and this is why I think this was such an important concept to me. And that is because the way we talk about receiving so op- often, it's a very passive experience. Like if I'm having a birthday party and my friends bring over gifts, then I receive the gift, right? Like they hand it to me and I just passively stand there. I don't do anything. They just give me a gift. Or maybe I don't even go to the effort of holding a party. Maybe I just go to work one day or, you know, go to book club or whatever. And somebody gives me something I've received it, right? Well, technically no, because even if something is given to you and you're a passive quote receiver of that, Perhaps it's in your possession, it's sitting somewhere in your home or among your possessions, but you haven't really received it until you do something with it. And so I started to see that this idea of receiving is actually an active behavior, right? It's not passive. We have to choose to receive something. And the more grateful we are for it, And the more actively we receive it, the more it is actually a part of who we are and a part of our lives. And so you may ask for something. It's like that quintessential little story where the guy is in a flood and he's on top of the house. You know, you've heard the story and he asks God to, you know, get him off the get him out of the flood and a boat comes by and a helicopter comes by and he keeps saying, no, 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 God's going to send help because he won't receive the help that comes because he has to actively take advantage of it. And so that really connected me 
two that was kind of already in the back of my mind was thinking about, and that's an interesting, look up the definition of receive, look in your scripture for receive, have that on your mind, you know, really ponder what do I have to do to truly receive something? And, and then we'll tie it into this idea of claiming. So here's Christy. She's in a quandary. She doesn't know if she should go home. She doesn't know if she should stay in this work that she started out in. She feels stuck. Uh, she feels confused. She feels overwhelmed. And instead of, there's all kinds of things that Miss Alice could have said to her. She could have said, you know, keep trooping on or just have faith that God will be there for you or pray harder or whatever. But she didn't. <laughs> it's so fascinating to me. She said, claim your blessings. Really a fascinating idea. Um, she says, she, she finishes out this section. This is kind of how they end the conversation. Christy says to her, what does all this have to do with my going home or not? And Miss Alice says, everything to do with it. Who are you, Christy? And Christy says, I wish I knew. And Miss Alice says, but you can know. You're important, terribly important. Each of us is. You're unique. So is David and Miss Ida and Dr. McNeil. No one else in all the world can fill David's place or mine or yours if you don't do the work that's been given you to do that work may never be done. And so she's arming Christy. She's empowering Christy because she's saying, you're caught in a situation where you've taken on something that feels so big and so overwhelming. You just really want to quit. You want to throw in the towel. You want to give up and you want to go home. And you could. In this instance, she could. But that wasn't the right question to be asking. The question to ask was not, should I go home or not? The right question to ask was, who am I? And what is the work God's given me to do? And I, I just, there is so much wisdom in what she's done here in showing Christy that in order to really get clear about how to proceed, she needed to take the time to assess who she was, what she felt called to do, and then stake her claim. Claim the blessings that she needed in order to fulfill the work she felt God had for her. Right? I'm going to tell you, <laughs> All you moms and, and dads, or there are many dads that have reached out to me that listen to this podcast too. You are called. No question. You are called. And parenting isn't something we can get out of. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, who are we? What has God called us to do? He's called us to raise a noble generation that will fight evil, just like Christy has to look the evil head on and fight it. One of the things Miss Alice says to her in this conversation is, you see, Christy, evil is real and powerful. It has to be fought, not explained away, not fled. And God is against evil all the way. 
So each of us has to decide where we stand, how we're going to live our lives. We can try to persuade ourselves that evil doesn't exist, live for ourselves and wink at evil. We can say that it isn't so bad after all, maybe even try to call it fun by clothing it in silks and velvets. We can compromise with it, keep quiet about it and say it's none of our business. Or we can work on God's side, listen for his orders on strategy against the evil, no matter how horrible it is, and know that he can transform it. And so this is part of, should I go home or not, is not the right question. Should I give up or not? Should I give in? The question is, who are we as mothers and fathers engaged in this great work? What is it we've been called to do? And what blessings do we need to claim in order to do that work? One of the greatest analogies someone ever taught me about a mission um, and about being on God's errand was to think of God as a king. Now, if, if I'm in the medieval times and there's a literal king on the throne and I'm just kind of a minion, like I'm an errand boy, right? And I don't have a lot of inherent power, skills, talent, whatever it is, but I'm on the king's errand. And that makes all the difference because it's the king that needs it done. It's the king that knows, sees the realm, that loves the people, that understands their needs, that has sent me to do something for his people in his name, right? And therefore, I have access as his errand boy or girl, woman, to everything he has. He wants me to succeed. It's his errand I'm on. Therefore, he is going to give me access to everything that I need to succeed. All those blessings are mine to claim. Do I need money? Do I need a boat? Do I need an outfit? Do I need a, 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 a legion of soldiers? Do I need a helicopter? What do I need to do this work? So the cool part is coming up. Christy thinks a lot about this. She wakes up the next morning and she's thinking about what a beautiful morning it is. And um, she's thinking about how much she loves Miss Alice and how much um, Miss Alice taught her and how she wants to continue to learn from Miss Alice. And she realizes that these um, feelings are her answer, that she should at least stay and try to act on what Miss Alice has taught her and see for herself. Just try it out. Test God, really. See if he means it. And so um, she thinks about what Miss Alice taught her. It was as Miss Alice had said last night, we have to decide to give. That's a decision. We have to decide to be on a mission. We have to decide to hear the call. We have to decide to prepare ourselves to have all the tools in our arsenal, intellectual, physical, mental, um, spiritual, that we possibly can. That means living principle-centered lives. And so that's, a, that's you know, in the Mission Driven Life book, that's all outlined in terms of um, getting our own houses in order and gaining all the tools and gifts we can. So here she is. She has some training. She has some tools. She has some preparation. She's ready to go. 
And so she prays and she says, dear God, when I came here, maybe I was partly running off from home for fun and freedom and adventure. But I have a notion that you had something else in mind in letting me come. Anyway, if you can use me here in this cove, well, here I am. And of course, we have all kinds of spiritual precedent for understanding that that's all God needs to get us started. Just to here I am. Just use me. I'm willing to have a baby. I'm willing to try to raise it up, him or her up nobly. I'm willing to pave the way by working on myself and setting the example of righteous womanhood. So um, she starts. So she starts thinking about, okay, claiming my blessings. What is needful? What's needful here? I'm going to try to claim those blessings. So she looks around the mission home and they're missing so many things. And she remembers, she starts thinking about the children that she's there to serve. And she thinks about how far so many of them have to walk in the winter, in the snow, without shoes. She thinks about how many of them can't come because of those obstacles and how they had talked about using part of the mission home as a boarding house for some of them for the winter months so that they could stay and get an education. And so she starts looking around and she says, okay, so if we were going to do that, if we were going to make this a boarding house, what would I need? What do we need as a mission? She makes a list. Shades, rugs, mattresses, linen, blankets, cleaning supplies, a horse. So she starts making this big, long list of all the things that they would need. And she goes and she goes to the Bible and she finds the verse of scripture that Miss Alice read her and she reads it over again. She thinks about all those, she calls them heaped up words, um, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And she calls it an abundance, exuberant promise. So she says, she goes back to God again and she says, Lord, Miss Alice said, if we give, it shall be given unto us. Well, she's giving Lord. And so are Dr. Ferrand and David. And even I'm trying to give, though I don't see yet what I have that you can use. I don't have the faith that Miss Alice has, Lord, in you, in this book or in anything. Can you help me with my faith? I hope it isn't wrong to ask this. At, by giving unto us, as it says here, good measure, maybe by giving us a horse. So she tests God and she exercises all the faith that she can. And within about a week, she receives a letter. And in this letter, a woman from back home who didn't know her, but had heard of her and her work, writes to her that they had received a larger than usual dividend check from some stock. And that she and her husband were try, trying an experiment of tithing that year and giving on their gross income. She says, my heart tells me that it belongs to your work. And since I could not for the life of me remember the exact name of the mission, I have made the check out to you. I send it with real joy. Turns out it's a check for $106, which is almost precisely what the horse and a saddle cost. And so exuberant in this blessing that's been claimed and given, she then writes 30 something letters. She gets this idea to go to the ladies home journal and look up all the advertisers and write to them and ask them for all these things that they need for the mission. She gets a grand piano. She gets a telephone line. She gets beds and furniture and linen and food. 
and all kinds of wonderful things. She gets a little reprimand for doing it without talking to the rest of the mission and doing it the way that she did it. But the abundant blessings that flow in because she claims the blessings that were always there, always willing to be given. These people wanted to give, they wanted to be generous, they wanted to help the poor, they didn't, they didn't know there was a need. And she informed them of it and they had the opportunity to give and experience that joy. And she had the opportunity to see those blessings flow in and have her faith increase. And so many of the children had the blessing of being able to board at the house, being able to be, you know, one-on-one -on -one mentored by her, by her and Miss Alice and other incredible individuals and to receive an education that would help them to eventually improve their lives. And it's just such an incredible idea, this claiming of blessings. It's something that we talk about in the academy. It's something that I've taught my family and that I really do think about often because God wants you and I to succeed. He wants to give us the blessings that we need. Sometimes we think we know what we need. Sometimes we have to wait on him to give us what we need. Sometimes we might just have to ask that he'll give us what we need. But we can claim those things and we can remember that we're on his errand and we can remember that he will provide when the timing is right and he will give us what we need right now and in the future. We are promised over and over again that if we ask, we will receive. And I want to point out here, because I think this is the most important part of, of all of this that I've shared with you today that I, I want you to remember and take with you. I want you to think about all of the active steps that Christy had to take in order to claim the blessings and receive them. It was a very active process. It required pondering, multiple prayers, studying it out in her mind, seeking information. It required leaning on God and nurturing her faith in scripture just in order to get to the mission, it required attending this meeting, volunteering, three months of pleading with her parents, financial and physical preparation, and then physically getting there and putting in the time and effort she'd already put in before she even thought about going home. So receiving at, after we've asked is a very active process, and it requires our minds and our hearts and our willingness she was willing to let God's will be done. She said, here I am. And then, of course, that is part of that first law of life mission to submit to God's will and to make your relationship with him a priority. And, and, and then on it goes through those other laws of life mission. But the point here being, it's a very active process. So my challenge to you is to ponder these ideas of receiving and claiming to look up those words, to think about what they mean, to actively look for them in the, the great books that you read and in life and in scripture, to chat with your spouse about it, to talk to God about it, to talk to your children about it, and to ask yourself what you feel God, the next step God's asking you to take and what blessings do you need in order to receive uh, in order to, to fulfill that step he's asking you to take, what blessings do you need to claim? And what is, what is that claiming going to take? For many, many nights, Christy sat up late, brainstorming what the mission could use, writing letters, and taking those active actions. And then 
envisioning that result and trusting God to bring those blessings to her. So take that step, claim those blessings that God wants for you so that you can be the stellar mother and father that he in that he intends for you to be. Thank you so much for joining me. Please go get your free copy of uh, my ebook, The Mission Driven Life. There's also an audiobook at themissiondrivenmom.com. And make sure to subscribe and share these podcasts out. And we'll see you next time.